On a stormy night on the small island of Guernsey, a young paranormal expert joins a sceptical history teacher to record the first in a series of podcasts based on the island's incredible folklore and paranormal history. As the expert regales his horrifying stories, the teacher learns that we all have our own truth, our own story, ghosts that haunt us. Starring Olivier-nominated actor and former Blue Peter legend, Peter Duncan, When Darkness Falls is a spine-chilling ghost story that delivers a twisted, terrifying and thrilling tale that The Guardian said will leave you cowering in your seat. Catch the brand new UK tour of When Darkness Falls from September 15th in a town near you. Select Nights will also feature myself delivering a live episode of Unexplained. For more details or to book tickets, Visit whendarknessfalls.co.uk if you dare. Welcome to Unexplained Extra, with me, Richard McLean-Smith, where for the weeks in between episodes we look at stories and ideas that for one reason or other didn't make it into the previous show. In last week's episode, This Woman's Work, we heard the story of the Cheltenham Ghost, a female apparition dressed in mourning clothes that is said to haunt a property, formerly known as Garden Reach, in Cheltenham in the southwest of England. It is thought that this woman in black may have inspired Susan Hill's own woman in black from her 1983 novel of that name, and it's easy to see why. Much like Hill's terrifying antagonist, the supposed Cheltenham ghost is similarly believed by some to be stuck forever mourning the death of her child, with some believing it might be the ghost of former resident Elizabeth Swinhoe, the wife of Henry Swinhoe, who died in the property while giving birth to her stillborn son. Others, however, have suggested it might be the ghost of Henry's troubled second wife, Imogen. Despite a bitter and acrimonious separation from Henry and moving back to Bristol where she later died, Imogen's body was brought to Cheltenham to be buried near the home she shared with her former husband. Reason enough, you'd imagine, for any ghost to feel a little restless. It's a common feature of ghost stories that the supposed ghosts seem somehow tied to one particular location remaining stuck there through time as the living come and go around them. All well and good, you might say, if that place is a ruined castle, for example. Not so simple, as the disbarred family from last week's episode discovered, if a supposed ghost found itself attached to a residential property. On Unexplained, we've covered many a haunted house story, however few have been as terrifying as the subject of this week's extra. It had just gone 1.30am, one early morning in August 1942, when the call came in to Hawaii's Honolulu Police Department down on Bethel and Merchant Street. It was hard to make out what the caller was saying exactly as she screamed hysterically, that someone was trying to kill her children at her home in Kaimuki, a quiet residential neighbourhood in the east of the city. 
two officers, Mosley Cummins and Robert Ansteth, were dispatched immediately to investigate. What they found at the caller's home has been the subject of much conjecture ever since. In some reports, the officers arrived to find the woman's 10-year-old son and her two daughters, 18 and 20, being seemingly strangled and thrown across the room by an invisible force. All the while, the mother frantically circled the room, shrieking at whatever it was to leave them alone, as she waved tea leaves and sprinkled Hawaiian salt all around them. Salt and tea leaves are traditionally used by practitioners of Hawaiian magic, known as kahuna, to ward off malevolent spirits. After struggling with the apparent entity for over an hour and a half, the police eventually managed to pull the family out of the property and escorted them to a relative's where they stayed for the rest of the night. As the woman later explained, it had all started about 10pm when her son had apparently detected an unusual atmosphere in the air and began screaming that a spirit was beginning to materialise in their property. Thirty years after the terrifying events of 1942, in the evening of October 31st, 1972, another bizarre call apparently came into the Honolulu Police Department, once again involving strange and terrifying happenings at a house in Kaimuki. This time, three young women, who'd been renting a house together for a few weeks, reported hearing an intruder in their home, moving about, making peculiar noises, and talking out loud to them. Only, they couldn't see who it was. When an officer arrived at the house, he found the terrified women waiting for him outside the property, too afraid to go back inside. Without explaining any more, the women begged the officer to drive with them back to one of their mother's homes where they were planning to spend the rest of the night. After agreeing to escort them, the officer waited until the women got into their truck and drove off before following them close behind. As they drove out onto Wiley Avenue, the officer watched with confusion as the truck suddenly darted into the Oasis Cafe parking lot just beyond the intersection with Harding Avenue. While inside it, the women appeared to be fighting with each other in the front seat. The officer parked up and jumped out of his vehicle, only to then realise it was only one of the women who appeared to be fighting off something while her two friends were trying to help. Not quite knowing what to do, the officer reached into the truck to try and help too, only to suddenly feel a strong, calloused hand wrap its fingers around his arm and twist it up behind his back. Terrified, the officer ran to his car to radio for help. Things had calmed down somewhat when the backup officer arrived at the scene to find his colleague as white as a sheet, claiming that he'd just been attacked by some kind of invisible entity inside the women's truck. The woman who seemed to be at the centre of the attacks was then invited to ride with the officers while her two friends continued on their way to the relative's home. However, 
As soon as she got into the patrol car, the engine suddenly switched itself off. No matter how many times they tried to restart it, it just wouldn't catch. With no other options, the woman returned to her friend's truck, and once again, with the police following close behind, they attempted to drive off. The two officers could only watch on in horror, as moments later, the truck's front door flew open, and the embattled woman rolled out into the middle of the road, clawing at her throat, as though someone were trying to strangle her. As one of the officers tried to free her from whatever had her in its grip, the other dashed into the Oasis Cafe and returned moments later, holding some salt and water. The officer threw them over the woman, and moments later, she was freed. It isn't known for sure where the two Kaimuki-based stories originated from, but many familiar with the region and its history are in no doubt that both of them concern the exact same house, a property that once stood at the corner of 8th and Harding Avenue, although some believe the property was actually located on the left of 2nd and Harding Avenue. Either way, It is said that not long after it was first built, the father of the family who lived there went berserk and killed his wife and children before burying them in the backyard. Another story has it that it was actually the mother-in-law of the woman whose children were allegedly attacked there in 1942 who was buried there, and it is her ghost that so maliciously attacked its residents with the neighbourhood being made up largely of immigrants from Japan, it wasn't long before the term yokai was being used in connection with the property, a catch-all term for all manner of monsters and other supernatural entities from Japanese folklore, and the yokai most often associated with it was the kasha, an especially feared demonic creature that appears in the shape of a cat walking on two legs, The coming of rain or stormy weather is said to herald the imminent arrival of a kasha, which would then appear covered in flames, having arrived straight from hell. The kasha were most interested in the bodies of the dead, which they are tasked with taking back to hell if the deceased was considered to have lived a sinful life. Other times, rather than take them all the way back to hell, the kasha might simply eat the corpse, and according to law, anyone trying to stop them might themselves be eaten or ripped to pieces for their troubles. In some parts of Japan, belief in the kasha is so strong that mourners have even been known to carry out two separate funerals for their loved ones. The first funeral would actually be a decoy involving a coffin full of rocks in an effort to distract any kasha that might have designs on the deceased, while a second proper funeral was hurriedly carried out elsewhere. At some point, the much-feared property in Kaimuki, which became known locally as the Kasha House, is said to have been pulled down to make room for a freeway. Others, however, such as writer Keith Mann, 
are convinced that although the original house was knocked down, it was replaced by a bland looking duplex built on exactly the same spot where he himself lived for a short time around 2016. Mann claims that he and his flatmates moved into the apartment despite multiple warnings from their neighbours who said that no one had lasted more than three months in the property before having to vacate it. But since the new duplex was so cheap and not being the kind of people to worry about paranormal superstitions, Mann and his friends chose to ignore the warnings. All was well for the first few weeks until one day... In the early hours of the morning, Keith shot up suddenly in his bed with an undeniable urge to run. As his heart thumped in his chest for no apparent reason, he quickly noticed the air around him was freezing cold, enough to see his breath, when ordinarily the temperature rarely dropped below 65. His chest also felt oddly cold, as if he were freezing up from the inside. Just then, all the smoke alarms in the house beeped out at the same time, despite not being connected in any way. Convinced that someone was watching him from out of the corner of the room, Keith leapt from his bed and sprinted into the living room, where he immediately felt safer. Staring back into the darkness of his room, through the gap in the door, He had the overwhelming sense that something horrifying and sinister was lurking there. Though Keith eventually calmed down and went back to bed, he claimed this event was repeated throughout his time at the property, always occurring precisely at the time of 4.33am. You can read more about Keith's experience at theoverlyopinionated.com in his 2018 article, I lived in the most haunted house in Hawaii, where in a recent update, he concluded, we'll never be able to truly explain what's in there, but it definitely ain't good, and you definitely don't want to make it angry. If you enjoy Unexplained and would like to help support us, you can now do so via Patreon. To receive access to ad-free episodes, Just go to patreon.com forward slash unexplained pod to sign up. Unexplained the book and audiobook, featuring 10 stories that have never before been covered on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Waterstones, among other bookstores. All elements of Unexplained, including the show's music, are produced by me, Richard McLean Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts, And feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplainedpodcast.